was the, you know, the Lord is my salvation, right? The Lord is my salvation. And that's actually what, you know, uh, Joshua, the name Joshua means, Lord is my salvation. What, that's what Jesus means. Lord is my salvation. So I thought that was really, that was, wow, that was pretty powerful there. Um, yeah, so well, it's good to have you guys here. Uh, thank you for working alongside of us with, you know, just the paper music. It, it's a little different uh, as we're trying to get the tech stuff uh, reliable for, for the future. Um, so, I just want to ask you guys a question. What comes to your mind when you hear the, the words, make disciples? Make disciples. What comes to your mind? What, is that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, how have you seen it done? I think for uh, a lot of church people, or church-going people, we, we might know the phrase where it's from. Maybe we know oh, it's somewhere in Matthew or... You know, something related to the Great Commission, or Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 goes like this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, or teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So if you want to know more about what God's will is for your life, this is a part of it. Some people are like, well, I don't know God's will. Like, you know, what does he want me to do? Well, this is a part of it. If you're a believer, it's pretty important that we know this. But I also think it's a part that we often forget or we, we fail or we feel guilty. Like, I don't know if I've done that. Like, I don't know if I've made a disciple. Um, like, what is that? What does that what does that look like? Um, and over the years, I've heard different things about making disciples. For example, I've heard that it's the duty of the select few. Right? It's the duty of the pastor. Right? It's the duty of the elder. It's the duty of people who've gone to seminary, right? who've taken these uh, biblical classes and got these, you know, these biblical degrees like the THM, the NDIV, or you know, the, the MTS, things like that. Um, it, it's for those people like Billy Graham, right? Those people who are like those great evangelists. Or those, it's for those people like those great, great preachers like Charles Spurgeon. Um, it's for those people who are good at public speaking, who know a, a lot about the Bible, right? People who um, just, you know, people like that. It's for them. And my job, I, 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 uh, I tithe. I give, I give money, you know, to the church so that they can, so they can do the, the good work. Right? Or uh, I pray. I, I pray that, you know, uh, you know my pastor can, can do, you know, share the gospel with someone. Or, you know, I pray for someone else, you know, that can, that can do that. Right? It's, for, it's, for the, it's for the people who are, like, super Christians. I don't know if you guys have heard that term before, but it's those super spiritual people that we look up to. It might be that person that's older. It might be that person that's more mature. And I want to share with you that, that this type of thinking, it's actually pretty destructive. Okay? It's pretty destructive, and it's anti-missional. Right? We just read the Great Commission, and this type of thinking here, it's a lie. And it could be further from the truth. And what we need to be reminded of is that we, every Christian, is supposed to be making disciples. Sure, tithe, sure, that's, that's good. That's a good habit, that's a good posture, right? That's, that's being generous, which is good. Right? Pray for, for other people as they should. Also, that's good, that's great. Don't stop doing that. But also, don't exclude yourself from 
making disciples as well. So, and I hope that we're encouraged as we listen to today's uh, passage in Acts chapter 18. So turn with me to Acts chapter 18 if you have your Bibles um, or if you use uh, your phone or tablet. Um, Acts chapter 18. And as you're, as, you're read, as you're flipping there, I'm just going to start reading from verse 1. So it says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. So Paul, uh, last time we learned that, he's, that he was in Athens. And he, was, uh, he was talking, he was debating with the Stoics and the Epicureans. Right? They, they were like, ooh, what's this new teaching that this guy has about this Jesus who was like a deity and apparently he like came back from the dead or something? So tell us about that. You know, so he kind of debated with them. He was explaining to them. He was teaching them. Um, and some of them believed, some of them didn't. Right? And that's just how it is. And Paul probably spent a few months there. And then now he moved on to a new city called Corinth. So Corinth was approximately 50 miles west of Athens. And uh, even though Athens and Corinth are both in Greece, Corinth was a vastly different city compared to Athens. Okay. Athens was a smaller, lesser city, right? It was known for its schools. But by that time, it's lost its former glory. And those glory days are over. You know, it, now it's more known for its schools of philosophy and those related influences. But Corinth, Corinth on the other hand, it was a new, it was a booming city. It was a bustling city. Uh, it, it says that, it, 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 when I was reading the, you know, the history, it said that no major building during this time, no major building was more than 100 years old. So that means people are, are building, right? There, there are just construction going on. There's needs that are, that are being fulfilled and being met. And in Paul's day, it was the largest, most uh, cosmopolitan city in Greece. Right? It was a major center of commerce. Right? It had two ports, one in the east and one in the west. And in Nero's time, he actually started to build a canal to connect those. Right? So by connecting those, you can have uh, you know, ships cross much faster and much safer than going around the peninsula because of the storms and, and things like that. So, and this, is, this was like a, a totally different city. So maybe think about uh, the cities in the U.S. that are like that. Maybe, maybe uh, the Bay Area is a city like that. It's booming, it's bustling, right? I think traffic has increased dramatically since I was an elementary student here. It's changed a lot. Right? A lot more traffic, a lot of different buildings, you know, things are being teared down and, and made into like apartments and stuff like that. You know, so it's really changed over the years. But, like Athens, Corinth was also no stranger to the Greek gods. It says that on the 1900-foot hill, located just outside the city walls, was a temple to Aphrodite. Aphrodite was the goddess of love. And every night, its female servants would, would go into the city as prostitutes. And it's not much different, if you think about it, than what people worship here. I think a lot of people, we uh, worship sex, right? Worship love. Right? Worship fertility, right? You'll find various apps uh, that, uh, you know, that provide a platform for people to hook up, right? For people to have sex, uh, whether it's man and woman or man and man, woman and woman, right? There's all kinds of apps, all kinds of platforms these days. Or you'll find online ads that's, that are like, oh, you know, someone is only five miles away from you, you know, and wants to have sex with you. 
You'll, you'll find um, websites like Ashley Madison, I talked about this like a few months ago, Ashley Madison, which was basically their motto is, life is short, have an affair. And, you know, and you know, this website got hacked and, it, and, it's, and it's data, I think it was like 300 gigabytes of data, personal information got leaked onto the internet. And, and, and because of that happened, um, I want to read an article uh, by, by Forbes, it's on Forbes website, it says, as cyber attacks and data breaches go, Ashley Madison was the big one, or the mother loved. Overnight, the lives of millions of people were turned upside down. Marriages and families collapsed. There were reported suicides as humiliation and panic hit in dozens of countries across the world. And yet more people have signed up to Ashley Madison since the hack than had signed up before. And that is extraordinary. Right? It's like, what? Like, what's going on? And this is like, this is so messed up. I mean, again, data breaches are messed up, but like, you know, people abusing God's design by right, distorting what God created, which was good, which was very good. People destroyed it, and, and, and God, I think he grieves when he sees people, his creation destroying themselves. And also within the walls of the, of, of the city, it stood this temple to Apollos. I mean, to, to the sun god Apollo. And, it was a, and there was also a temple to, it says, Asclepius, which was the god of healing, where there, uh, through archaeology, uh, uh, um, people were able to discover ruins of these um, body parts made of clay. And apparently, uh, these people would bring these body parts to the temple, and they would pray, and they're like, can you heal this part of my body? So there's that going on as well. So this is, this is the city of Corinth. This is the city of Corinth. This is the background. And also, if you might know, there's two books in the New Testament that are written to the church in Corinth. Right? First and second Corinthians. So these letters were written to a pre-existing church that was founded during the time that Paul spent there. And that's what we're going to read about in today's passage. So let's continue in verse 2. It says, There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native named Pontus, uh, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Or because Claudius, who was the emperor, had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Right, Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So wherever Paul went, he was living out the mission, living out the Great Commission that we find in Matthew 28. He's trying to disciple people, help people come to know who God is through the truth. And he's going, he's baptizing, he's spending time from weeks to months in different cities teaching and preaching. And I, I wonder if you've ever asked before, as you guys read the Bible or heard, how, how did Paul make money? How did Paul make money? Like, we all need to make money at some point in our lives to support ourselves, right? If you're, if you're, you know, if you're still, like, in high school, middle school, then, you know, your parents are supporting you. But for people who are adults and, like, you know, are past college now, like, we all know that we need to work, right, to support ourselves. So Paul, he's definitely not, like, a high schooler anymore. So how, how is he able to just, like, travel all the time? on these uh, first missionary journeys, second missionary journey, how is he able to do that and then, you know, travel to all these places, pay for expenses and then for lodging and for food and 
for like any of his knees and clothing and stuff like that. Like, how is he able to do that? Ever, anyone ever wonder? So, well, yes, it's true. He did rely on the goodwill of people. So when he, when he traveled, he may have stayed at people's houses. People would have fed him. Yeah, like maybe, and it also says that people donated to him, right? Setting gifts, uh, different churches that he, that he planted, that he started, they wanted to support his work. So they would give him gifts, give him some money. But there were times where the money wasn't enough or donations stopped or for various reasons. We know that the Philippian church, that Justin is preaching through Philippians, that church had a very good relationship with Paul and they were one of the very few churches that uh, donated to, to Paul's ministry. Whereas other churches in Galatia, like they just didn't for some reason. We also know that Paul sometimes he would specifically choose not to receive any gifts and donations because he didn't want people to get the wrong idea. Or he didn't want people to think, oh, he's only coming here, he's only sharing this, like, this amazing message, you know, and we can receive this message if we support him. So basically he just wants our money. But he didn't want them to get the wrong idea, so he, he chose, I won't accept anything. In fact, I'll work. I'm going to work. Like, sure, like, preaching and teaching, preparing all these things takes time, takes energy, right? Like, if you're, if you're doing something else, then that means, you know, opportunity costs, right? You can't, you can't earn money if you're doing other things, like, you know? Like, you only do one thing at a time, right? So Paul, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to work. So what does he do? He, he meets this couple called Aquila and Priscilla, and he works with them as a tent maker. So what do we know about Aquila and Priscilla? We know that they're married and they're Jews. Right? They used to live in Rome until uh, Claudius kicked them out along with all the Jews. So seeing that Paul never shared the gospel with them, it, it doesn't show that here. We assume that they must have heard the gospel and became believers when they were somewhere else. Probably Rome. And interestingly, Paul's never been to Rome yet. Paul really wants to go, as we'll find out as we read the Bible, you know, his letters. He's like, I want to go there. That's my, like, my, my, my goal. I want to go there, but I just can't yet. But somehow the gospel has reached here ahead of him, which means that someone or some people went there and shared the gospel and began to make disciples. That's why we have Aquila and Priscilla uh, who are believers already. I think that's really amazing because we have people who really cared, who were bold. Maybe they were nervous, maybe they were scared, but at least they're like, hey, I'm here. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Sure, I'm supposed to be making money. Sure, but also I'm supposed to be making disciples. And it was really dangerous as well because, as you know, during this time, um, there was a lot of uh, politics going on. And that's the main, I think that's the main reason for why Claudius kicked the Jews out. Because these Jews, they're causing too much trouble. We, we have the, the non-believing Jews. They're like, oh, these Christians are you know, distorting the scriptures. They're teaching lies. Like, we want to punish them. Right? We want to put them in jail. Right? We want to stop what they're doing. And the Jews also are like, well, what are we doing wrong? You know, we're not like disobeying any laws, are we? You know? like, so there's this commotion in. And probably Claudius didn't want to have that in the city, so he kicked them out. So these people, all these Jews, they had to leave, they had to be relocated. What they did is that they took their faith with them and decided to spread it in a new place. 
So I want you guys to think is that, what do you want our church to be known for? What do you want our church to be known for? What do you want, what do you want to be remembered for? Because we know that life is unpredictable, right? Health is unpredictable. We always, you know, like pray, oh, you know, God, help, let me, you know, have a good life. Let me, let me have a healthy body, you know, let me not get sick. Pray for healing and stuff like that. But life is unpredictable. There's disease, right? Car accidents, you know, jobs, unpredictable. Sometimes you might get a better job offer somewhere you want to leave. Sometimes you get laid off, right? Sometimes your job relocates you, right? You have to, you have to move away. Family, you know, there's marriage, there's death, there's drama, there's kids. Our life is unpredictable. And people move away for various reasons. People move away to take care of family. People move away for college, for higher education, for work. Sometimes the cost of living is too high. People move away because of that. Sometimes we just want a new environment. Like, I'm just kind of sick of here. I just need a breath of fresh air. I just need a new start. So we all have different reasons. But here we have a couple because they had to relocate. Because the laws changed. And they had to leave. They had to leave their friends, perhaps their family, their jobs, their security, right? their comfort, their familiarity. Now, I've been told like a hundred times the story, maybe I've shared it with you guys before, of um, my, uh, my grandparents. My grandparents on my father's side. So during the Civil War in China, uh, I think each family had to like, send a son uh, to, to participate in the army, a male. Um, and yeah, my, my, uh, my grandparents, they were part of the, the, you know, the KMT, the Kuomintang. And then, uh, so my, my grandfather, he joined the army in place of his father, in place of his older brother. And he had to do that because they worked on a farm. And if the oldest people left, then all his younger brothers and sisters, like, you know, they don't have the, 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 you know, the strength or the knowledge to continue working the farm. So he's like, okay, I'll go. I'm kind of in that middle ground area. I'll go in their place. So he went and he never knew that he, they'd, be, you know, they'd be fleeing to Taiwan later right, to re- regroup. And all he took um, was a duffel bag with some change of clothes. That's all, I've been told that story so many times, right? Because, like, work hard, right? And then you can make it. You know that story, right? So, like, all he did was a duffel bag and, and, and a change of clothes. And they went to Taiwan. The plan was, okay, we're going to plan and we're going to take back the country from, like, the communists or something. You know, we're going to do that. But little did you know this, that they never went back. Right? They never went back. So my grandfather, he got separated from his family at a very, very young age. He was still a teenager he got separated and never was able to go back. Right? And in Taiwan, um, you know, then he met my grandmother, right? and then they got married, and then my father was born along with three other uh, siblings, and, then, and I was born, so I'm grateful. But he never knew. Right? Life is so unpredictable. And actually, my grandfather wasn't able to see his family again in China, right? Because there was that, you know, that barrier stuff. He wasn't able to go back. I think until close to when he retired, or after he retired, I can't remember exactly. So maybe somewhere around like 60 or something. Only then was he allowed to go back. So think about that. For like 40 plus years, you weren't able to see your family. There's no internet at that time. You know, you couldn't just like FaceTime somebody. You know, they didn't have that. You know, the emails. They didn't have emails. You know, so they weren't able to get in contact. Like letters, I don't even think letters would have made it, made it across across that the ocean in that time. 
Alright, so Aquila and Priscilla, they moved, but they were making the best of it, right? Their labor, their skilled labor was tent making. So tent making is more than just putting poles on the ground and putting like a tarp over it, okay? That's more than that. Uh, tent making was actually very skilled labor, and uh, many scholars, they believe that these tents were made out of leather, which means that these people would have been uh, skilled leather makers, so working with leather. And it's also possible that um, what they worked with was something called uh, uh, silicium, which was woven goat's hair, which would have been made into cloth. So silicium originated from the province of Cilicia, and that also happens to be where Paul came from. Right? That's his home place. So we think, okay, well, then Paul was probably also a tent maker. That's why he chose to work with them, right? He stayed with them, and he worked with them. But it also says that in verse 4, every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So the Sabbath started on uh, Friday evening and went into Saturday evening. So it was, this, it was this time where he would go and he would share. And this was the stage of life that he was in. And he made it count. Okay? So in the past, he could have went there like every day. Every day. He was supported. He could have went there every day. But now he's not. So he worked. And in his available time, in his, in his own way, he, was, he decided, this is how I'm going to go and share the gospel. I'm going to go every Sabbath and, and share that. But during the other days of the week, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grind it out. You know, I'm going to do my work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the money. And I'm going to be able to support myself and also share with others. And most likely, he was just busy as you are. I, I'm sure, like, I mean, a lot of you guys are way more busier than, like, people back then. But... Like, to, the, he was probably also busy. There were probably days where he had to work overtime to finish a project. Or there are days where he would probably be so tired that he would hit the bed and just fall asleep instantly. There are probably days where he had to deal with customers and coworkers. Maybe, like, some, some, some order went wrong or something has to fix something. Customer, you know, relations and all these things. He had to work on how he's going to improve his craft, right? Get better at making tents. And yet, in all the, you know, the busyness of life, the mundane, right, making money and, and just day-to-day, he took opportunities, he saw these opportunities, and he chose to live for God. And I want you guys to know is that God's discipleship-making plan is us. Okay? God's, God's discipleship-making plan is us. It's all of us. It's all of us, each one of us. In 1 Corinthians uh, 10.31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So uh, those who went on to re- uh, retreat this summer, this is one of the Bible passages that the pastor spoke about. So anything that we do is part of our act of worship to God. It's part of what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. We're not supposed to just be lounging around and hitting the beach like, you know, and, and not doing anything you know, and just like begging because we, you know, we don't want to work. That's, that's not the right way. Right. So, I want you guys to imagine, okay, if Paul was a cheating, if he was a sly tent scammer, I want you guys to imagine this. Okay. So, Paul, he, opened, he, you know, he has his shop, and, and he calls it um, Paul's Leather. Paul's Leather. He's selling leather tents. But what he's really selling is pleather. Here's what pleather is. Pleather is fake leather. Leather imitation. It's plastic. So you'll, you'll have like bags that you're like, ooh, that's, that's kind of nice. Like, but it's only 20 bucks. Like, it can't be leather. Right? You'll, you'll have jackets uh, that are leather. 
Um, my, my, my earphones, the, the cushion, it's like, it's pleather. Right? So like, what if he said, I'm selling leather tents, but he's actually selling pleather? Like, and, and he's running the risk that people are gonna find out. Right? What if like, it tears and they're like, hold up, like, this, is not, this is not leather, it should be more durable. Right? What's wrong here, Paul? Like, did you sell me something? Like, are, are you like, cheating me? Are you cheating me here? So what would become of his witness for Christ? Would people then think, okay, all Christians are scammers? Because people have that tendency to do that. They, they like to, to, to kind of generalize. So they have one bad encounter, and they'll say, all, of, all the people are the same. So I want you guys to think about that, okay? Think about, what if he had a bad attitude? What if he was like, I couldn't care less. You don't like my product? No refunds, no, you know, no warranties or anything like that. I don't care. You, you, you paid for it, it's, it's your loss. Or what if he was disrespectful to people? What if he didn't care about people? Would then people think, oh, Christians are rude people. You know, Christians, Christians aren't nice. Like, why, why would anybody want to be a Christian? You know? What if he was lazy, right? The list could go on, and I want to think about you to think about your life and your context, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Okay? It doesn't just have to be work, but I want you guys to think in a broader picture of your life. So I want you guys to know is that your work is not meaningless. Your work is not pointless. Right? Your work is not just a means to an end. It's not just a way to pay the bills. It's much more than that. Sure, we work to pay the bills, and that, that's important, right? And, and for, for you know, uh, children, we should be grateful to our parents for, for the shelter there and the love and care that they provide. But it, it's, not, it, it's more than that. It's more than that. I want you guys to see that your work is a platform to bring Christ into a new place, into that place. If you're a student... See your school, see yourself as a student, as a platform to bring Christ into that place. To bring it into your classroom, to bring it into your group of friends maybe. Right? To bring it maybe into your sports team or your, uh, your robotics club or your volleyball club or whatever. To your tutoring place. Like, you, sure, you don't need to be like standing on the table and be like, hear me out and like, you know, like, repent or perish. You, know, like, you don't need to do that. But like... What would it look like for you to be a Christian witness in that place, right? Tactful, right? Using wisdom. Think about how we can shine for God. That's what uh, Justin was talking about last week, right? Shining like stars. How can we shine like that? We are, as Christians, we are already being that. We're already doing that. But are there other ways in which we can think more deeply in how we can shine? In all different areas. So that people, when they see us, they should be see something different, see something that they desire. And see, like, hey, I see something different in you. What is that? Like, how can you be so joyful? How can you, like, um, how, can you, how could you forgive someone who, like, backstabbed you or said something rude about you? How could you do that? Like, you know, and, and that could be an opportunity for you to share, maybe. Galatians 5 23 says this But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? Against such things there is no law. So we, uh, we often call this right the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. So how can you show these things, you know, as you're following Christ and God is changing you, transforming you, how can you then show these things, right, 
wherever you are. So uh, last week, um, I think I was having a conversation with my sister. I think she, she shared it at Sunday school, I believe. Right? It was about your story about going to work, right? being stuck in traffic. So my, school, my sister's a teacher, right? She has to leave really, really early. Sometimes when she leaves, like, I'm still sleeping. But she's stuck in traffic for a long, long time. And when you're stuck in traffic, what you think is, I don't want to be stuck in traffic. I, don't, I hate this. It's tiring. Like I'm wasting time or something. And what you're really wishing is that all these other cars aren't here. I wish all these cars would just disappear and I can, you know, go, go smoothly, swiftly to my destination. And then my sister was saying, like, well, you know, I think God's changing my heart. When, I, when I'm stuck in traffic, you know, on the way to, to, to school and coming back, instead of, you know, wishing that these people aren't here, rather, I can pray for them. Sure, I might not know their name, I might not be able to talk with them, but let me pray for them. Pray that these people would know who God is. And one thing that I try to do is I try to visit people at their workplace. That's something, that, yeah, I've been trying to do that. Um, so I've met a few people at their workplace. I'm trying to meet more people. Right, this is a place where people spend, on average, maybe 40 to 70 hours a week, right, depending on what you do. And, and I like to visit people because it's, it's, I want to get to know their environment, what they face, right, what, what it's like to be a Christian there. And last week I visited somewhere, and, and it was really interesting. It was a new place for me, so I was like, ooh, like, looking at everything and like, just kind of soaking it in. Uh, what kind of people are there? What's the culture? What's that environment? And I was just listening. I was observing. I was asking questions. And I, I found out, okay, their, their, work, their culture is like, okay, during lunchtime, um, no one sits alone, basically. Like, if, if, someone's, if someone's there alone, just, you know, sit with them. Like, so there's like that kind of, like, system going on. And when you sit together at the same table, oftentimes you would just strike up a conversation. So that's what we did. Started talking, and I found out, oh, there's this person who's a, a non-practicing Catholic. Uh, non-practicing and okay like oh well, like, why is that well oh oh you think you know it's really boring or oh okay like you just maybe you don't really believe in that oh and now I found out oh you know the person believes that you know, all religions are the, are the same and all of them bring you to the same place so it doesn't matter everything's beautiful everything's wonderful and I'm like okay like you know that's one worldview right definitely not a Christian worldview but like okay that's one worldview and they're living that out so I'm like okay so like and I start to to think like I start to like kind of like you know play it out in my mind like well what would it be like if I worked here if, if I spent like five days a week here and I, and I met this person five days a week and I was, you know, in the same workplace, like, uh, like what, what would my interactions look like? How, how could I see this relationship playing out? Um, and how could I shine for, for God in a place like this? That's what I started to think. And I want you guys to also think that. How can I shine for God? How can I live it out for God wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing? So no matter what happened to Priscilla and Aquila, and they were witnesses wherever they went. And same went for Paul. Same goes for us. We see that later on in Acts chapter 18. Right, Paul, he, he, he uh, moves on. Right? He goes to Ephesus, and he goes, he goes on past Ephesus to like, Antioch. At the same time, Paul and Aquila, after some time, they also leave Corinth. They don't stay there forever. They stayed there maybe, uh, I think, a, a, maybe a year and a half or so. And then they also moved on. They went to Ephesus. And they probably took their business and they probably did, made tents in Ephesus and sold it there. And they were living it like us. We don't know why they went. Okay? We don't know why. The Bible doesn't say. 
but they move, just like people, they move, right? It's so much easier to move in during this time. So much easier. Like, in the past, like, you might know everyone, like, you know, in, in your neighborhood or in your city. Like, just, just, what's your last name? Oh, okay, I know your family. But now, like, it's different. Like, tons of people have the same last name, and they're, like, not from the same family, right? And we don't know people. People are always moving in and out. Like, our neighbor across the street has changed, like, twice in the, in the time that we've been there in, like, what, uh, half a year, right? Two different families have gone through that house already. People are always changing. So these people, they're moving, but they're taking Jesus with them. And they're sharing that. So whatever happens, wherever you are, I want you guys to know that you can live for Jesus. Or you can live for Him. And I hope that that is something that we can be remembered for, is that when, when people tell stories, like, like my parents tell me stories about my grandfather, like working hard, and like you can make it, like you just gotta work hard, stop being lazy. But like the stories that my children tell me, I hope it would be, oh, and, you know, Phil was someone who really cared for people. So Phil was someone who shined for, for God wherever he was. Right? That, that's something that I hope that my children would share with their children. So I'm just going to pray for us, and um, as we uh, sing the last song, we're going to have the offering back come around. I'm just going to pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, like the perfect, perfect spotless lamb, who, who was slain, but because of that, we can have eternal life. His resurrection is power. Lord, because you sent your Holy Spirit to live within us where we can be, uh, we, have, we have the ability then to live for you. Or would you cultivate in us the fruit of the Spirit? Or would you help us to be witnesses that we would really see wherever we ask, wow, God put me here. Now you put me here, I want to do my best. I want to live for you, whatever that looks like. Lord, we thank you so much for this awesome opportunity to go on this adventurous life with you. We know that it is, it is crazy. Paul's life is crazy. Uh, Priscilla, Aquila, their life, they're moving around. Things are changing. Lord, but when whatever happens, that we see it as an opportunity Lord, to live for you and take you into those places that we go. We thank you, and would you empower us with your spirit to live for you, and as we fellowship here, as we learn together, as we grow together, we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please rise as we sing the last song together? And Aren't we glad that we have the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit inside us to 